Well, we're doing a, a series called It's Fine. And first week we talked about how we say it's fine in our greetings and don't really mean it. Last week we talked about how we say it's fine kind of in a passive-aggressive way when really we haven't, we're angry at someone and we're just not quite ready to forgive them. Pastor Aaron invited us to use those words, I forgive you. What a blessing they are to you and to that person and also they make, make God smile as well. Today I, I want to talk about when we use that phrase and we really mean it in a genuine way. And, and Mother's Day is a perfect time to bring that up because mothers have that opportunity to bless and comfort in ways sometimes others cannot. Certainly it reminds us all the power of a parent has. Uh, you ever remember when you fell down and you hurt your knee or something, you come crying to the mother and how she just brings those comforting words and, and magically distracts you away from that hurt and gets your minds on other things? That's the image I'm going for. I know as a grandparent, one of the things I love the most is when, when one of the grandchildren, they may have just woken up from a nap, not quite awake yet, or, or they've been upset, and you get them calmed down, and they lay their head down, and they just rest their head on your shoulder, kind of like that. That's my daughter Kelsey and grandson Cohen. That's the feeling I'm going for today. But, but it's more than a feeling. It's an approach to life. It's an attitude. Some say it's an essential leadership skill because everywhere I go these days, I hear the need for a non-anxious presence. Have you heard that phrase in the business world or leadership conferences you've gone to? A non or less anxious presence is what our world needs. And we know that's true in so many ways. I was at a conference a, a little over a week ago and, and the speaker asked us, to put away our phones. He said, don't leave them on the table because e research shows that even when it's on the table, your mind will get distracted thinking about what you might be missing. She asked us to put it away. And I was amazed at how hard that was, how addicted we've come. So we're our own worst enemy sometimes, adding to the anxiety of the world that we live in. So how do we cultivate that non-anxious presence, especially as parents. How do we bring that to our children? Because they're facing so many pressures in our world today. The research shows that anxiety disorders are on the rise, especially in our children. So how can we bring that down a notch for them? How, we can, how can we be that non-anxious presence with all the stuff they have going on in their lives? So let me just dive in to Jesus, who is our model in all things. And, and let me ask you to throw out of your mind this, this picture of Jesus as this Zen presence who never has any emotion. You watch some of these movies about Jesus, and he never has any emotion. That's not the Jesus I read in the scriptures. I read about a Jesus who tells parables that would have made people laugh, that would make people uh, shocked at the point he's trying to make. I think of Jesus when he overturned the tables in the temple and how angry it was that people were being taken advantage of. I think of the Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane who prayed so fervently that it says he was sweating and his sweat was like drops of blood. I think of Jesus who was on the cross and he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we realize that he was praying the psalm, the 22nd psalm, a psalm of lamentation which expresses all the anguish and grief 
but moves to a place of faith. And that's how Jesus was expressing his emotion to hand it over to God. Jesus was full of emotion, but yet he had this non-anxious presence. And we saw that in the scripture that Pastor Aaron read. Jesus, while he's on the cross, pain with nails in his hands, struggling to breathe, says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Somehow he has love and compassion for those around him, even those inflicting the pain upon him. And then Jesus, surrounded by a criminal on each side, one who mocks him and the other who talks the other criminal down and then asks Jesus, will you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus, facing his own death, has enough compassion to say, today you'll be with me in paradise and offers that death row blessing that must have been incredibly comforting to him. And then the last thing that Jesus says on this earth, Father, into your hands I entrust my life. I entrust my spirit. And after this, it says he breathed his last. You probably heard those words before and not thought a whole lot about it. But you know, William Barclay, one of the most respected New Testament scholars of the 20th century, tells us this phrase also comes from a well-known psalm, Psalm 31.5. And we're told also that by Jesus' time, this psalm, this verse, had been turned into a bedside prayer by Jewish mothers to their children. Think about that. Jesus, the last words he chooses on this earth is recite a bedtime prayer, probably told by his mother Mary, because that's how he sees God with him now. What a beautiful picture. Jesus who's facing, facing death and yet somehow he's facing death like he's simply going to sleep. That's the non-anxious presence we need today. And you might say, well, what good does that do to me? Because that's Jesus. He's God. But remember, Jesus chose as his title on this earth, uh, the New Revised Standard Version says the Son of Man. Common English Bible likes to translate it as the human one. It seems to be Jesus' favorite way of referring to himself. And when he uses that title, he's saying two things. He's saying, yes, he is the Son of God, but he's also saying, I represent all of humanity. And that's brought together. Jesus came to earth to show us the way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But when he says that, it's so much more than trying to say, believe in me and who I am. It's follow my way, my path, and I will take you to God. And that's what Jesus is trying to cultivate in us. He wants us to experience the comfort that he felt, even on the cross. As Isaiah promises, God wants to comfort us like a mother comforts her child. Now, I could give you a few how-tos, but you can Google that. Let me tell you a story that I, it's very appropriate for Mother's Day, and I'll finish on that. 
told by Core Jefferson. It, you'll find it in the Invisibilia podcast. It's a podcast that, that merges science with narrative story. And he tells the story of how he sees himself as a millennial of that generation. And he says that our generation, the millennials, have been credited with killing a lot of traditions, the music industry, the travel industry, department stores, the 9 to 5 work day, and also voicemail. Voicemail was patented in 1983, and voicemail has become a must-have for businesses and employees, at least for quite a while. Soon it entered our homes. We all had those message machines that kept track of those, made sure we never missed anything. But you know, voicemail's enthusiasm has waned in recent years, hasn't it? Coca-Cola doesn't even bother with voicemail anymore. Don't even make it available to the employees. There's now apps designed to uh, block our phones from even receiving voicemails. So you don't have to bother with them. Well, Cord hated voicemail from the very first time he got his first cell phone. And he acknowledges that his parents and his older relatives they would leave long, rambling messages. He never told them to stop, of course. He knew it was just part of their nature. And the worst offender was his mother. She liked to talk a lot on the phone to friends, her sister, colleagues, her grandchildren, and also to Cord. Well, Cord loved his mother, but on the phone she had the tendency to harp about things that mothers do, like his sleep habits and so forth. He, he knew that's how she expressed her love for him, but at that point in his life, it felt more like smothering. And so whenever he got one of those voicemails, he'd speed through the greeting and then be frustrated when there wasn't any pertinent information for him. And then four years ago, his mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. After chemotherapy and a double mastectomy, she was healthy for a few months, and then the cancer came back. By January 2016, she was in hospice care, and during this day, he would sit at her bedside and feed her, read to her, brush her teeth, hold her hand. And then at night, he would go out with family and friends and try to figure out what he was going to do when she was gone. It was over tamales at his favorite Mexican restaurant. He was with his friend from back home, Chris. And Chris posed a question. He says, have you recorded her voice? And then he shared how his father had completed suicide a few years before. And all he had left was a voicemail. And unfortunately, when his phone crashed two years later, he lost that forever. He said, all the other stuff my dad left, I could care less about. But that voicemail was valuable. And that got Cord to thinking about the power of the human voice. He, he, he researched a little bit, and he realizes that we lose something when a voice goes away. A few years ago, Leslie Seltzer, a researcher at the University of Wisconsin, wanted to study the hormone oxytocin, sometimes called the love hormone. It's released during intimacy, during when women breastfeed, and also when we hug about somebody we care about. And this, in this study, she studied a group of girls and put them through a stress test. Once they were sufficiently rattled, some called their mothers for comfort, others messaged them. And what Seltzer found was that those who spoke to their moms on the phone, the stress hormones decreased and the oxytocin levels increased. The girls who simply messaged had no change 
in their stress or oxytocin levels. And in a follow-up study, they found that, that they had the same physiological reaction when they hugged their mothers as when they heard their voice on the phone. So think about that, because at present, Americans spend about 26 minutes a day on average texting and just six minutes on voice calls. 26 minutes a day texting and six minutes on voice calls. We delete people's voicemails before we even listen to them, and we read typo-ridden transcripts of them instead. It seems increasingly worth considering what we're missing out on when we neglect the voices of the people we love. And I would suggest to you, as we need that non-anxious presence in our life, that we need to tend to the voice of God in our life and make room for that voice in order to find that comfort that Jesus knew about, even on the cross. So how are we making our lives to experience the voices we need to hear, especially that voice of the presence of God, so we can cultivate that less anxious presence, not just for our own well-being, but for the people who depend on us. We can be the people who communicate to a world in need of good news. It really is fun. Let's pray. Lord, we know the anxiety in our world. We sense that presence. We feel it in ourselves. Help us to listen to your voice. May we hear it today. May we cultivate it in our life so that we can also be that non-anxious presence in our world today. This we pray. Amen.